Hello, welcome to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin the Bastard. With me this week is Mike the Skeptic. Mike, how are you? Um, hello, yes. Um, I like uh, a, a big boy combo. Um, hold the cheese. Wait a minute, I'm not at the drive-thru, am I? Would you like a big chunga shake with that? Uh, no, thank you. All right. Uh, <laughs> we've got Mr. David Davis. David, how are you doing? I had a vision the day after the moon had been full. Three men talked about Nostradamus, and one would be eaten by a bear. I don't know what it means yet. You know what? I honestly cannot deny any of that might happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure none, at least me and neither me or Kevin are going to be eaten by a bear. I don't know. It depends if we go back down to uh, Grand Gulf. And it depends on what you consider a bear to be. Well, if it's Ooh. a very hairy gay man, that's quite a possibility. Actually, yeah, that could happen in uh, in go. the coming future. So, yeah, let's uh, let's just move on from that. Hope everyone's doing well today, guys. Before we get started, have we got any housekeeping to take care of? Other than the fact that we would like to welcome our first 2,000 subscribers to the program. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you've gotten the cards from... Uh, certain place here in town uh thank you for joining us if you're on a road trip i hope we keep you some very good company uh anybody else got any uh housekeeping before we get going got got a load of laundry i need to do okay david i'm good i'm ready to dive into this show all right and what are we talking about this week buddy today we are talking about nostradamus oh boy here we go i've been looking forward to this man you really jumped in whole hog with the uh reference materials on this one yeah i I was very excited about i right now to my right i have four books two biographies and two collections of his prophecies so um i've done a lot reading that's awesome i i can't wait to dive into this one man yeah, I'm so. I'm looking forward to it. So, Kevin, Mike, mm-hmm. what was your first experience with the human meme Nostradamus? <laughs> well, mine uh, back. In, oh, hang on. Whoa. Oh my God. Hang on. Sorry. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're having some technical issue. I'm getting some popping and crackling in my. So, sounds like your cords not. Yeah, my mic cable is all in all the way. Kinds of weird. Yeah. Plugged in, but like I moved it and it just started crackling and popping. Sorry about that. David, can you start again with that question? I'll cut that out. Kevin, Mike, what was your first experience with the human meme Nostradamus? Well, I remember the reruns of that Orson Welles hosted documentary, and uh, a friend of mine was convinced he was the Antichrist. Because, uh, you know, in that documentary, they said the Antichrist would have a blue turban. And uh, his mom bought him a blue bandana from a biker bar. Not quite the same as a turban, but you know what? From Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Took me a second, but I realized I knew exactly who you were talking uh, about. Oh, oh, of course. (laughs) But... uh, But no, I was like thinking, who, who is he? The, he referring to Nostradamus, uh, Orson uh, Welles, Orson Welles. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, how about you? What's your experience with? Uh, I mean, I'm guessing, guessing all the like, you know, 
quote-unquote history shows. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's talk. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, like to cover him, like... I mean, there were only 20 of them. No. <laughs> 20 every year, maybe. Oh, yeah, no, history was for, really... like yeah. For a good stretch of years, History Channel was just Hitler, Ancient Aliens, and Nostradamus. Yeah. It's, and, it's and Modern still, Marvels. It's still most of that. Decoding Nostradamus. So we we all have a general familiarity with Nostradamus, then I would say. Yeah, that Uh, mysteries of the Bible. Yeah, like what what's the essential Nostradamus, the guy who we assume or or who people believe predicted certain things about the future and everything like that. Yeah. So with with this uh, two part I have a couple of goals. Okay. So First, I want to cover the biography of Nostradamus, and I want to kind of explore a complex legacy of a man who seemed genuinely nice and was trying to make his way in a world that wanted him dead. <laughs> um, you, know. you know, if he was paranoid, he would definitely be one of those people that is like, yeah, no, they're actually out to catch you. It's okay, buddy. Oh, yeah, in a number of ways. He lived yes. in a very, very trying time. He did. Um he would find himself swept up into fame through a series of coincidences and uh like he would leave an impact the second goal which we're going to cover in the next episode is i want to talk about this larger uh, nostradamus industry that's grown out of his legacy like how harmful it can be how in mass what is arguably more uh, an arguably more interesting story about a man in the 16th century I'm just going to say the Nostradamus industry, that's got to be a hell of a factory. I mean, they're still cranking out the hits. So That's true. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this, but I think in order to do this, we need to kind of explore the life and times of Nostradamus and how he kind of arrived at his prophetic position. Um, and then, yeah, next week we're going to talk about the cottage industry around his writings, both mm-hmm. ap- uh, apocryphal and like fake ones yeah and i really think this is interesting because you know you're living your life you're doing your thing you don't know how or if history is going to remember you because mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure if he knew what had become of his legacy he'd be just spinning in his grave see and that's the thing is by the end of this i've spent uh, several weeks reading this and i don't know if he would have taken offense to how he's remembered oh because there's okay. things about his character. He, he's a very complex figure, and I think people need to understand that he is a human, and because he's human, he has these contradictory elements, and that doesn't make him a bad person. I mean, he does shady things, but then again, like anyone would to survive at that time. Yeah, it's also definitely a, a matter of where you are in history, right, Mike? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for this first episode, I'm working with two biographical texts. Um, primarily, I'm working with Ian Wilson's 2002 book Nostradamus: The Man Behind the Prophecies. Uh, this is kind of the majority of the biographical information I'm using. But mm-hmm. the second text, which is going to be a little more important in the second episode, is uh, Stefan Gerson's. Nostradamus, how an obscure Renaissance astrologer became a modern prophet of doom. And the pokey little puppy. 
<laughs> exactly. And then I do have two books of his prophecies that I will be oh. using in the next episode. So let me so. ask you, how, how close to the original prophecies are these books? Um, so he, um, when he wrote the, the text, he wrote them in Latin oh, and boy. translation issues occur all throughout. Like the, uh, the Ian Wilson book, uh, he spends a lot of time criticizing translations by other people. Right. Mike, you actually um, took Latin, didn't you? I guess in high school. Um, so it was like, what, 20 something years ago? I don't remember anything about. Well, I remember very little about it. I, I failed Latin. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, I, and yet you it, are now the most experienced Latin <clears throat> speaker on this podcast. Well, I guess <laughs> I can remember the uh, most of the lyrics to Jingle Bells in Latin. I was, about, I was about to ask really? if you remember yeah. that. Tinnitus, right? Yeah, tinnitus, tinnitus, semper tinnitus. Utatum es gallium. Uh, I forgot the rest. Still, that's pretty good. And the funny thing is, Tiny Tooth, I'm like, that's tinnitus. That's what yep. I have every day. Jingle bells, ringing bells. <laughs> I I have jingle bells in my brains. Yeah, it makes oh, it hard to sleep. So, 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 so one thing that I want to point out here is um, <laughs> I am going to be reading uh, names that are in German, Latin, Italian, French. I am going to butcher the shit out of all of this. So um, that's okay. Like, We're Americans. It's expected. Yeah, it, it's and, our and, heritage. And, <laughs> and direct all complaints to Mike. I want him to do it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Please send all your complaints about anything to uh, Mike on yes. Twitter, which is, I think it's uh, Mike in LN, right? Um, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him a shirt that says complaint department. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, if you don't understand any of the names, just feel free to be your own Ellis Island and replace it with Smith, Brown, and Stevens. Fair enough. Okay. So um, are, are we ready to dive into this biography? I'm ready to jump feet first into this Frenchman. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, ask for <laughs> consent first. Okay. He's dead. Okay. He can't say anything. <laughs> um, okay. So, Nostradamus, as he is now known, was born Michel de Nostradamus uh, uh, on December 14th, 1503, in Rue de Vigueur, though today it's known as Rue Hochet, in Saint Remy de Provence. So, it's Saint Remy Martin. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, okay. He was born um, in the Cognac region of France. <laughs> Yeah, and then Rue is street. So he was born oh. on Vigier Street, but now it's known as uh, Hoche Street, basically. You know, um, the fact that you can trace it that far back, that says a lot about Europe. Oh, yeah, and, and Saint-Rémy is very, um, is very like, we, this is where Nostradamus was. Oh, wow. Here is yeah. his house. We have a wax museum. <laughs> um, again, a Nostradamus industry. Yes. Uh, so, um, Mikhail de Nostradam would be the first of possibly eight children born to the de Nostradam family. Well, there wasn't anything else to do. Uh, except die of the Black Plague, which there's going to be a lot of that in this story. Yeah, now guys, back me up here. Back then, your uh, 
you're in the plague and like you're basically having children in the hopes that one of them makes it right Mm-hmm. yeah very very much so um okay th- th- there's a lot of death in this uh this story so <laughs> also also your children were your retirement you know planned so mm-hmm. you gotta have lots of them so you know they can take care of you when you die he michelle die one you, day you know, when too broken to continue to work. Michel, one day when I am dead, you will run the shoe factory for me, or I will throw you out into the gutter. Yeah, so so here here's the thing. We think that there possibly could have been eight children. We don't know for sure. The, the issue that we're having here is that there's like 40 years worth of biography of this guy that we just don't really have solid information on. It isn't until he reaches his 40s where he starts becoming an important figure in France that we start getting some like concrete information. And then his son uh, gets involved and starts like yeah. continuing the story. Just like Jack Kirby. Like that. Mm-hmm. So... You know, um, 1503, this year is like, if you're going to be born in any year, this is a hell of a year to be born in. Okay. So Ian Wilson, in his book, points out that this year would also mark the fourth and final voyage of the then 57-year-old indigenous raping enslaver Christopher Columbus to the quote-unquote new world. Emphasis on rape and slavery by me. Well, (laughs) yeah, I... uh... I got nothing. He was a bastard. I mean, really. Right. And, you know, this was his last voyage to the New World, so at least he he stopped raping and enslaving people then. But well, that, the, good, yeah. the good news is he has a flaming poker in his ass in hell now. But do you remember what he said when he first saw the natives of the, quote, East Indies? Mm, what did he say? One man with a musket could enslave all of these assholes. Yeah, that like tells you everything you need to know about Christopher Columbus. Fuck that yeah, guy. Pretty much. So okay, so obviously not off to a great start here, but <laughs> yeah, what what good things happened? A fifty-one-year-old Leonardo da Vinci was finishing the Mona Lisa in Florence. That's a shockingly small painting. Mm-hmm. A twenty-eight-year-old Michelangelo was working on his statue of David. Ooh, and then. A newly elected Pope Julius II, eventually who would commission Michelangelo to paint the Sistine Chapel, had just arrived in Rome in 1503. And he later opened the first Pope Orange Julius. <laughs> yeah. And then, not to be outdone, a 20-year-old Martin Luther was studying law in oh, 1503. Hell. Well, you know, nothing good came from that. Right. Um, not 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 centuries of war. No, um, def- certainly not murder in France and all that fun stuff. So this was going on when Nostradamus was born. Oh wow, it's a hell right? of a that's a hell of a time to be born into. Right. It, it's just it's such a weird confluence of important figures like because obviously like these figures live for decades but just to see all these figures contemporaneously together oh yeah and then that's when nostradamus is born it's just it's interesting to me that's like being born at the battle of new york in the avengers (laughs) right (laughs) so um one element of Nostradamus's heritage that would become extremely important and is hammered on to a large degree in Wilson's text is that Nostradamus has Jewish heritage. Uh-oh. So, 
specifically a great deal of the characterization of Nostradamus is rather complicated because it's kind of that image of what we call the wandering Jew. Oh boy. Now, it's not inaccurate, and it but it does get referenced a lot in the text, and I feel like more so than is necessary. Right. Like, I, I don't think there's any ill intent. No. But also, like, we don't need to know every 20 pages that he's a wandering Jew archetype. We don't need to know that. Well, look, um, you don't need to keep hammering it. I know, but this is also like, uh, if TV tropes were around back then, the, the wandering Jew would be a trope on TV tropes. Because, I mean, like, you had... I mean, that lasted right up to Count St. Germain in the 1700s. Right, and we even talked about that trope, uh, if we're going to call it a trope, we even talked about that when we did our Into the Santaverse. Exactly. That was one of the, I think that was Mike's theory about what Santa is. Yeah, 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 it was, Mike. Oh, yeah, I mean, we talked about the uh, Count St. Germain and... Yeah. Yeah. Like he was he was he was like trying to make up for what he did to Jesus, which is basically go nanny nanny boo boo on the side of the road and now he's mm-hmm. damned to make toys for eternity. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a that that outweighs I'll, the crime. I wouldn't say damned, I'd say more like a, trying to atone. <sighs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. It still kind of feels like you know what, we're not gonna go into that. Let's move on. <laughs> Okay, so elements of Nostradamus' biography are going to be obscured or absent for a number of reasons. One was that this was the 16th century and (laughs) record-keeping was not the best in the world if you were not the elite. Yeah. Now, Nostradamus didn't really find his fame until his 40s, so there's about four decades worth of information where things are a little obscured and and it's just relatively inconclusive at the best of times. I'm not going to be... I'm not gonna lie here. This is this is pretty much where the Star Wars expanded universe came from. Is this kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, uh, my father, your father, and I fought in the Clone Wars. Okay, yeah. well, that, that's well, something you can write around. Here's three <laughs> novels, and none of them are the same. And now we're just gonna throw it all out the window and do a movie about it. There you go. Yeah. So. What we do know about Nostradamus's past, um, uh, prior to his forty-year-old, uh, prior to him turning forty, right. uh, we know his father was uh, Joam de is, Nostradamus, is a grain you, merchant. Is that how you say that? I, I have no idea. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to go, go with you on that, Joam, J-A-U-M-E. It that sounds is a, Frenchish. Joam so. de Notre-Dame. Jean, Jamais, maybe? Jamais, Jamais. Jamais de Notre-Dame. Jamais, uh, that sounds better, Jamais de Notre-Dame. Uh, oui, oui. So, a grain merchant. Uh-huh. Um, his mother was Rainier Saint, uh, de Saint-Rémy. <laughs> Um, no God, relation. this is going to be awful, dude. <laughs> no relation to Rainier Wolfcastle, of course. Oh, my so, God. Uh, and and R- Rainier is like a antiquated version of the modern-day Rene, I believe. Um, Sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. Did so she, uh, did she, so she was named after she was named after the town, and that's how a lot yeah. of those surnames were at the time. It was based on like what yeah. your your job was or where you were born. Well, I mean, Jesus's name would have been Joseph Nazareth. Uh, yeah. Honestly, or, that would have made sense. Or Joe Carpenter. <laughs> yeah. I'm just They're, saying. Joe the plumber. <laughs> God, <can> you imagine. <laughs> During the we should election. start naming people based on where they're born. Oh Let's yeah, bring no. it back. Yeah, no. Hey, how you doing? My name's Kevin Morton. I- I'd be David Phoenix. How about you, Mike? Be uh, 
Michael Metairie. Oh, man, I was really hoping you were born in Jackson, so no. you'd say Michael Jackson, and you'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> no, I was First not born in spoiled. Jackson. Okay. I was born in Metairie, Mich- You'd be Louisiana. Michel de Metairie. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, that does sound fancy. All French and fancy. David oui, Phoenix oui. sounds like a porn star name. Yeah. Yes, it does. That or Star-Lord's <laughs> best friend. Oh yeah, you, that could be. I like it. I like pulpy that, sci-fi. Actually. actually, you know what? You should do a story about David Phoenix. That would be badass. <laughs> might might do that. <laughs> so, um, the Jewish heritage of the family is pretty present in the name De Nostradam. Mm-hmm. As in English, it the translation is basically of Our Lady. Ooh. So okay. this suggests that Jamais had changed the name to the most Catholic fucking name imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> due, due to a little something going on in France and larger Europe at the time called the Inquisition. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <clears throat> Seriously, though, that is kind of like changing your name to Stephen Pope's son. <laughs> or like coming to America and naming uh, and naming yourself like Charlie Americano or something. <laughs> Hello, my name is uh, Roger Big Mac. How are you? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like it, the 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 Inquisition was going on, and this is going to basically kind of haunt nostradamus for a long time oh dude um, this is gonna haunt a lot of people for a long yeah, time yeah yeah not not to single out nostradamus specifically but, but it, like it, yeah, like as the subject of the episode this is definitely like a foundational thing yeah not not to be to 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 be a jew or a muslim in the 16th century was not a good time <laughs> no so, during this time, many Jews were forced to convert to Christianity, uh, specifically Catholicism, mm-hmm. often due to the threat of death and torture, as Christians do. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think we can stress exactly how dangerous a time this was for Jews. In fact, I don't know if we can stress how dangerous most of history has been for the Jews. Right. Oh, my God. It's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, whew. now, it's it's... It's not even completely safe, but it's safer than it has been, right? I guess. I mean, I guess they don't have to worry about overt physical uh, violence. As much. But uh, I mean, at, I least in, at least in the United States, there are okay, still yeah. corners of the, country, yeah. of the world where uh, they're not welcome, I guess. Sure. Be the yeah, I mean, way to say it. There aren't like physically welcome pogroms going on here so yeah it's been a while since we've had a pogrom so yeah. that, that's good that's good for society <laughs> a way to go here you know but, what round of applause guys but 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 a lot of a lot of you know uh fringe groups still oh. use them as their oh yeah boogeyman and scapegoat looking at you mm-hmm. looking at you david ike yep. well, i'm just talking about you know you, you oh find no, any, no! I know, I know. Any fringe group at all in America, and they're gonna have some, you know, animosity towards the Jews. Oh, well, sure. and, and that's been transferred to different like code words. So, like for example, oh, yeah. Hollywood. Oh. oh yes, the Hollywood yeah. elite. The the yes, the Hollywood elite. Uh, the financial the, industry. Yeah, the global financial elite. That kind of stuff, which. 
basically they're always talking about the fucking Rothschilds. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's let's move on. We'll do a whole right. episode about that at some point. And then right. it'll be the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> then we'll we be disappeared. We, we'll yes. be Epsteined. Oh, I'm gonna no. get Arkansas before that. Sorry. That's my goal. I want Hillary Clinton to kill me. By stepping on you? No. God no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, we killed Mike with that one. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Okay, so before Mike dies before the end of the episode, let's see how much I can get through. Um, So a a particularly important figure in the life of Mikhail de Nostradam, who from now on I'm just going to call Nostradamus. Oh, thank God. Was his grandfather, Jean Jean de Saint-Rémy. Jean would foster an interest in occultism and mysticism that would be woven throughout his grandson's life. That's interesting. So Ian Wilson writes, quote... Jean may well have deliberately fostered this tendency in the boy, teaching him the art of creating a horoscope himself, at the same time encouraging familiarity with the Bible and the works of classical writers. So, um, this education would include access to materials such as a planisphere and an astrolabe, which uh, puts certain emphasis on astrology and the stars in the mind of a young Nostradamus. Okay, I've got two things to bring up. One that I was going to bring up later, but I'm going to bring here now. The first is a question. Mm-hmm. I really, it's very important that I ask this because every time I talk to a coworker about this sort of stuff, he asks me this. Do we think that at any point during this, Nostradamus was introduced to mushrooms? Absolutely. Oh, great. Okay. I, I, I can say with confidence that mushrooms got thrown in the mix yeah, here. Th- there was definitely a non-zero amount of psychedelics <laughs> in this man's life. Okay. Yeah. Uh, specific, uh, specifically because of his focus when it comes to the study of medicine. And uh, psychedelic mushrooms have been a part of human culture oh, yeah. since the very beginning. So and- he most likely would have had been involved with mushrooms at some point and probably took them. Okay, great. That that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's not like a, oh, well, that explains everything. But, like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, I feel like that may have opened him up to certain things. Secondly, mm-hmm. do you know what this reminds me of? What? Joseph Smith. Mm, okay, yeah, Brought I can definitely up see that. In an interesting confluence of religion and occultism mm-hmm. yeah so it, it's interesting because um okay well i'll bring up this point in a second i just want to kind of go through this real quick so sure. um i would be hard pressed to consider the de Nostradam family to be wealthy mm-hmm. but they were certainly not peasants because they had access to land and they had vineyards um, and at the time, as um, as uh, Nostradamus was growing up, Jaume took on respectable work as a scribe and notary in Saint-Rémy. Oh, well, that's actually really good work for back then, because, I mean, you know, not everybody could do that. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Being able to write is like a huge way to climb up the social ladder there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ultimately, Nostradamus has what seems to be a pretty idyllic childhood that was wedged right between two major outbreaks of the plague. So he is a character who has some privilege here right. that enabled him to do the things that he did. If he would have been born into a less fortunate family or maybe would have been born during a plague. 
yeah, we may not be talking about this guy. Right. And, you know, the funny thing is, being born during a period where you could, like, grow up and sort of be a child and, like, take in information that isn't necessarily useful, per se, mm-hmm. it kind of makes him a modern man, like, from mm-hmm. our time. Right, you know? because even with the um, even with his grandfather's property, with Jean's property, Jean had an open uh, air room for stargazing. Oh, that's that, awesome! Right, so you know, at this young age, Nostradamus is being given mm-hmm. this very eclectic and div- uh, like diverse array of things to look at. He had astrology, which would play a big impact. He studied Christianity. Like, he studied the Bible. He studied all these classic texts, um, like Arabic texts and everything like that. So he had this tremendous privilege, and that's what enabled him to do what he did. This is like finding your young uncle's book on Pokemon in modern times. It's like, ooh, Ooh, is that what that means? And you just kind of dive into it. Like, Mike, did you ever do that? Like, you found, like, a relative's book on something, and you dove into it Mm -hmm. just head first? I can think Um, of two examples. Um, My grandfather had a big archival book about uh, Walt Disney's Fantasia. And every every time I went over there, I would read that thing constantly. Right. Um, The second book he had was a biographical reference book of the three stooges that did like the history of the three stooges oh that's awesome and all of that so it, it, those are two very fundamental yeah. books to my childhood um that he just he just had how about you mike so i was never up until this point i was never really read novels but uh so i moved between junior high and high school i moved from louisiana here to mississippi and before really starting high school, there was like a couple of weeks or so where, uh, so preface this by saying that we had a, like a family kind of, what'd you say? We had to move here through, you know, financial serv- uh, uh, circumstances. So right. we ended up staying with my grandma for, you know, a little while before we could get back on our feet. I don't want to call and, your grandmother a hoarder, but she had an eclectic nope. amount of stuff. Oh, well, I wouldn't say that. No, mm. not no. really. But, but uh, anyway, Arthur so also I have, I have an uncle who is only like less than a year older than me. Um, my, one of my dad's brothers, the youngest brother. Um, And I found a book and I just, I don't know why, I just started reading it. And when I started reading it, I realized it. You know, I, this story was familiar, but it was uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and the reason it was familiar it was because I had seen the uh, the BBC stuff on like public access at, in, back in Louisiana. But yeah, I mean, I just I don't know why. I just I think I was just bored, and for some reason, I found this you know book, it, and I just started reading it. It was the right time for you to find it, I guess, and then. You know, all through high school, I was known as, quote, a reader because, you know, <laughs> I was always reading, like, the Wheel of Time books and yeah. all kinds of other novels, like, you know, the, uh, what was that, Death Gate Cycle. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. Weiss and Hickman. <clears throat> so, yeah. Yeah. Up until, yeah. up until I moved here, I was never really, like, I, had, I looked at, like, I really liked Rockets, so I had, like, 
books mm-hmm. about rockets and stuff that I read, but never really read cover to cover so much. But y- you know who else liked rockets? Hmm. The Nazis. Oh, God damn it. Nazis. <laughs> damn it. Why you got to do this? It always comes back to the Nazis. I'm just going to say that like I had like a full set of encyclopedias and like a series of books about holidays and stuff. And like one of the books had like stuff about folklore. Mm-hmm. So I think that is where this came from. So I kind of feel kindred to Nostradamus in that. And yeah, then, of and course, like, I got to junior high school and they had the complete mysteries of the unknown in the library. See, now, I, I want to talk a little bit more about like the importance of having access to books in the home and everything like that. But uh-huh. that's like an entire different subject. <laughs> but like, I, I believe like a rabbit if hole. you want a, if you want a child <laughs> to be a success, it's not just like having access to books at a, a like a local a local library or school library there have to be books in, in the home because yeah, they're right there because for instance if those books just hadn't been there you know i was i just picked it up because for, for some reason i guess i was i was bored or whatever i started leafing through it and reading it and i was like this seems familiar so i started uh-huh. actually reading it if that book hadn't been in the house it's not like i would have went to the library and checked it out or anything yeah that's right, kids. So if you read, you could be like us. Yes. Yeah. And remember, libraries are for nerds. Build your own well, at home. Well, so <laughs> so the internet definitely makes it an interesting uh, change on that because now people are just reading all the fucking time. I mean, it may not be novels or books or anything, but they're reading. Yeah. But it's also a, it's a different thing. type of... It's yeah. Our brains are being wired differently by this type of reading. Like, oh, as someone yeah. who teaches, I'm noticing a real difference in that. But, like, I, well, yeah. I, I think we're getting into something that we could probably talk about another time I because this is should, a very complex subject. Yeah, we should come back together later and do a... Uh, patreon episode on that oh that would be fun okay I would do that. we'll do that like uh on a upcoming weekend so let's uh google stop <laughs> he's, he's triggering sorry. google sorry uh one of our uh government wiretaps just started talking our self-bought government wiretaps i apologize let's get back to nostradamus all right so we're gonna move on to <laughs> The education of Nostradamus. Ooh, sounds so, kind of sexy. Yeah, like it sounds like a little bit of a, a Skinamax title. The education you know? of Nostradamus, starring He's a bad boy, starring David hey. Duchovny. It, it's like the the gay version of the Emmanuel movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> when he came of age, Nostradamus, oh, yeah, yeah uh, he would go <laughs> to uh, university to study. And this is like sexy university. No, I was gonna. God damn it! I was gonna say this is back when like university was kind of open to a lot of people. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, his future secretary Jean Lemy de Chavagnier wrote on the education of Nostradamus, and this is what he he wrote. He was sent to Avignon to study the humanities. From there, he happily mastered philosophy uh, philosophy and the theory of medicine at the University of Montpellier until his, the plague broke out in the country. Mm. So he went to Montpellier to study, and then around 1520, a new round of plague struck, and it was prolonged enough 
that the universities in the region shut down. Oh, God, this sounds horribly familiar. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, Fuck. I, I when I read that detail, about. I'm just like, oh, Jesus. Nothing changes. <laughs> no. No, it's all just a fucking cycle. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass. I was a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> so, unable to complete his education at this time, Nostradamus would wander the region as a pharmacist, peddling potions and pills and building a collection of notes and recipes that would be useful later on in his life. Man, that's... Man, can you imagine just being like, fuck it. I'm a travel, grab plants, and sell people bullshit. <laughs> right, right. It, it's like his his gap year. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I'm gonna bum around Europe for a little bit. <laughs> you know, find myself. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. No. It's <laughs> like these days he would have made a pillow or something. Right. So so now the role of the pharmacist at the time was not considered to be particularly high in uh, like social status. Mm-hmm. Especially compared to being a doctor, like the pharmacist was kind of considered to be on par with midwives and barber surgeons. It's it's literally Oof. this is legit the next best thing to being a hedge doctor or a witch, and it had about the same social standing. You were just as likely to be you know run out of town. Wow. So so from what I've gathered. Uh, the university was closed for about nine years. Holy shit! That, because wow. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll 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 know how that feels uh, in a few more years. <laughs> uh, um, ah. <laughs> so so in 1529, Montpellier reopened, and then Nostradamus came back to continue his education. Now, obviously, medicine wasn't as complex as it is uh, as it is today uh, in the 16th century. Yeah, but. It ha- it certainly had progressed. You know, it wasn't just like pulling teeth, mending bones, and other common remedies. Um, as-, as Nostradamus studied at Montpellier, he made note of the then state-of-the-art procedures such as the removal of bladder stones and tonsils, fluid draining, and skull surgery to reduce bl- uh, brain inflammation. I, they knew enough that, like, if the brain had yeah. become inflamed, you need to relieve it. I was legit going to make a joke about, oh, you're not feeling too good, I'm going to hit you in the head with a hammer. <laughs> so pretty much it just you know yeah. except with a spiky part i feel like it was a little bit more complex yeah no it was more <laughs> like trepanning i'm sure but, but also in a lot of ways it was kind of ridiculous yeah. so to put this into context nostradamus studied at was what was probably the finest medical school in europe at the time with the bulk of his studies consisting of reading the works of Hippocrates, Galen, and Avicenna. Uh, the finest of leeches at the at his beck and call. Now, you make a joke about leeches, but that's coming up. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so, so, with that being said, human understanding of the body and how it worked was still quite far off. This was a period in which the four humors were still the way in which we understood illness. Do you okay. remember the four humors? Uh, yeah, it was like Joe Rogan, uh, Rip Taylor, uh, Robin Williams, and Stephen Fry, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so, um, the, the, the four humors were the... Uh, I, I want to see if Mike knows, because I feel like Mike would know <laughs> Um, Isn't that... Uh... Like blood, bile, um, bingo, blood, bile, the other two. piss, isn't it? So the the four fluids. There was hot blood, which is where the yeah. word we get uh, sanguine, hot or to exsanguinate somebody. Chicken sea. 
<laughs> there Sorry. was cold phlegm, which <laughs> is how we get the term phlegmatic. You f- there was... <laughs> I'm using that as an insult at work tomorrow. You phlegmatic <laughs> bastard. Um, there is moist black bile, which is Ew. where we get the term melancholic. Oh, God. And dry yellow bile, which we get the term choleric. Ew. What about pee? Uh, um, pee, I think, would have probably been lumped in with the moist black bile. Oh, God. Because it's more of a waste product. Ah. But you know, then again, I'm not an expert in 16th century medicine. Well, so. there is one thing I know about piss from back then, is that is how they figured out if you were diabetic. Mm-hmm. They, yes, would, they, would, was, they would taste it. They would literally drink your pee. Just, just doesn't diabetes mean sweet urine? It does. They would drink your pee and go, Not hey, you drink. Need... They wouldn't drink they it would like taste a dozen. It. They would taste it. Well, Tastefully in Germany, they it. drank it. Well, that's different. That's there's, the Germans. There's a hundred-year-old publication in Germany called Piss Drinkers. Don't tell me they didn't drink it. I'm not saying they <laughs> didn't. I'm saying that's not necessary for the uh, diagnosis of diabetes. It's, okay. Well, I forgot my joke, so let's move on. Well, they also used to use pee uh, in the Roman Empire to brush teeth. Oh, and, God. And, and, and then clothes. to sterilize hands. Ooh. Well, they also did di- close dying with it. Don't forget to piss on your feet if you get stung by a jellyfish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pee was very so, useful. Oh, yeah, yes. no, pee, pee is a very versatile tool. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is also... Gorillas. Get a lot of uses out of that pee. Right? <laughs> but th- this is also a period of time in which cupping and leeching were, like, top-of-the-line medical treatments as well. I swear to God, we're going to see this on TikTok. Cupping, <laughs> is that is that yeah. what, like, you fart and you, like, kind of cup it to your your nose to smell it i thought it was hugging like spooning uh so cupping um is where they take a um a cup like literally take a cup put it on your body and then use heat to generate suction to draw out the the thing that's making you sick i think i I think i'd rather cuddle well you know that's like a hot cup of cupping yeah Man, well, I'm just sitting here. Kevin Kevin seems to have the flu. What do you well, prescribe, doctor? I'm going to snuggle him for about two hours. Well, if, <laughs> if you put a mouse in that cup, that's a torture device. Yeah, it'll mm-hmm. eat its way out through your stomach. Yeah. Well, that was how they did surgeries. Yeah. Um, wow. But but that, that note about, like, TikTok-level medicine, I think, yeah, we're about six months away from, like, cupping starting to make <sighs> the rounds on social media as a, as a COVID cure. So, I think um, I'll say this yeah. about once an episode now. Where's my? Where's that gun? We we we, we, we promote cupping over the nose and mouth. <laughs> I did that one time and almost suffocated. So no, crawl out the COVID. <laughs> so well, the COVID is in your lungs and you know. There you go. Nasal. So just there you go. The stick your sound. Vac- <clears throat> yeah, stick your vacuum cleaner hose up to your mouth for and just suck an hour. Good. Let's get Squarespace to sponsor us. We'll put up a website for it. And, oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> this is a time when medicine was virtually required to integrate astrological theory into diagnosis and treatment as well. Okay. Now, I'm just going to interrupt and say this actually plays into the super spectrum slash superstructure. I'm not going to go into it now. I just wanted to throw it down for later because I'm reading The Eighth Tower by John Keel, and eventually I'm going to blow your fucking minds. 
So I'm gonna read a passage. I, I didn't put it in my outline because uh, it's long. I, I don't want. Uh, it's not super long. I just don't want to type out a bunch of ye old English. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So I'm, okay. I'm I'm just gonna read a brief excerpt from Canterbury Tales by Geoffrey Chaucer. Now, is this um, one that should be taken as a a a parody or just straight on truth? Uh, this is at like a contemporary like. Uh, th- at the time, this would have been how doctors were seen. So this is vaguely satirical. Okay. Yeah. So, in all this world, there was no one like him to speak of physic and surgery, for he was grounded in astronomy. He kept his patient a full great deal in hours by his natural magic. He, uh, well, could he cast a fortune by the ascendant of his horoscope images for his patient? He knew the cause of every malady, were it of hot or cold or moist or dry, and where they engendered and all, and of what humor. So, like, everything that I've just talked about is in that one little passage from Canterbury Tales. Wow. So, yeah, this is, the, that was basically, like, so the astrology, the humors, talking about physics and medicine, that sort of thing, that's, you know, that was a contemporary image of the doctor. So that's kind of part of the medical school background of Nostradamus. It's going to get a little trickier here, though, because uh, shit's going to get very real very soon. Okay. And uh, from what I understand, the picture's not as clear on his education, right? Right. Uh, it, it gets that. It gets messy because he starts practicing medicine, but he didn't seem to get his certification from Montpellier. Oh. He may have gotten it elsewhere. So there, there's all these little weird inconsistencies. You know, when you said he uh, practiced, I was like, he practiced, but he never got good at it. Um, he, His medical services are interesting. I don't know how great they were. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, okay, but again, fair. this is the 16th century. Your doctor has a 50-50 shot of killing you just by looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, how do you know a good doctor back then? Well, he's still alive. Right. He kept himself alive. That's something. Yeah. So, while Nostradamus's secretary, Chavignet, states Nostradamus took and passed his doctorate, the truth is a bit more complicated. The historical record is a bit sparse on Nostradamus's time at Montpellier post-1529. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that at some point he had obtained his license to practice medicine, but it was not necessarily obtained at Montpellier. This is because the typical program there took nine years to complete. Holy but crap. according to yeah, but according to findings gathered by Ian Wilson, Nostradamus was practicing medicine by 1533, around 170 miles away from Montpellier. So he returns to his education in 1529, and by 1533, he's already practicing as a doctor nearly 200 miles away. So basically, he's like, I screw you guys. I'll make my own practice with hookers and blackjack. Forget well, it the seems medicine. that he might, have, um, he might have gotten hooked up with a, a different form of education. Ooh, a sexy oh. form. Uh, well, I mean, maybe. I don't know much about Nostradamus' sexuality, but... You know, it's, there's, um, you know, we don't know a lot about a lot of these guys' sexuality, except for Michelangelo. True. So, um, Nostradamus ended up staying with for a time and learning from a doctor named Jules César Scalinger. And he was later killed by his or, nurse, Brutus. 
I'm sorry, not Scalinger, Scaliger. Scaliger. Wow, that's there's even... a difference. Yeah. Did he smash one smashes watermelons? the watermelon? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was going to ask God you if uh, him and his brother Noel Scaliger formed a band <laughs> called Oasis. Um, I, I like that Mike and I were immediately both on the watermelon bit. I thought yeah. about it, but it was low-hanging melon fruit. So <laughs> it, was, uh, it was it was too obvious. Yeah, the branch yeah. was hanging way too low because of the weight of the melon. <laughs> so, um... <Saggy> melons. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> oh, fuck, Mike. Oh, I haven't had enough to drink for that. So, so part of the reason for this like change in scenery and then working with uh, Skelliger, um, likely influenced by a whole lot of shit going on. <laughs> okay. So, w- at the time, several years of anomalous and unseasonable weather resulted in a failure in the the grain harvest. So families found themselves in significant hardship. Add to that was religious discord was everywhere. Specifically, as uh, Desid, uh, okay, I gotta pronounce his name. Desiderius Erasmus had raised up some salient points about flaws in the Catholic Church's official Latin Bibles. Interesting. So you, ha- so you have, uh, you you have uh, starvation. You have religious strife. You also had the Lutherans kicking up shit with the Confessions of Augsburg. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Henry VII was looking to divorce Catherine of Aragon, meaning a split of the Church of England was on the way. All the while, Ottoman Turks were raiding the European coastline. So it's one of those things where it's like all these things are happening. You still have the threat of the plague going on. Life is short. <laughs> yeah, you know, Nostradamus really lived like it seems like every few years his life was just smack dab in the middle of like the worst shit and also the fear of even worse shit so if that wasn't enough you also had the idea floating around that easter of 1533 was supposedly the 1500th anniversary of the crucifixion everybody thought the world was going to come to an end of course no yeah so so this might just be the equivalent of nostradamus dropping out of college to just like find himself you know what i mean man this is exactly why i don't pay my uh my my tuition and my student loans back covid and the invading turks i thought you were broke well that too but i mean you know i need to find myself and avoid the ottoman turks yeah i mean you know you never know when they'll catch up with you so don't waste your time paying back the man yeah i'm not saying don't pay back your loans people i'm just saying i don't I'm, i'm saying i'm saying college education is too damn expensive so fuck them yeah, fair. Yep, yep. I, I teach at a college, and I think that college is a scam. So that that's fun. <laughs> um, so like like the first week of my class, I'm like, you know, you're probably going to get more out of taking a um, not not to insult my teaching, but no, like as a whole, you probably get more going to a trade school. Yeah, no, <laughs> that I, sort of thing. Yeah, like, I wish I wish someone had told me that. You know, I never went to college myself, but I always thought. Well, since I didn't go to college, I didn't, you know, have shit I could do. Mike, we're six. I'm sixty k in debt, and we're working in the same store. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah. saying that if someone had told me, you know, in my twenties, hey, go to a trade school, you can make, you know, sixty, seventy k a year. Yeah, I, I would have been like sold, but no one sure. told me that. You know, since I got my master's degree, I'm definitely sadder than I was. I'm going to say something. I just picture you at the head of a classroom one day going, look to the left of you. 
Look to the right of you. I don't give a shit about anyone you just looked at. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't go that far, but I've been tempted. Yeah, eventually. (laughs) This is eventually down the road. Like in your 60s. Yeah, once I have tenure. Once I have tenure. Your tenure. (laughs) You you just don't give a shit anymore. (laughs) Jaded Professor Davis. (laughs) You got one fucking paper. Spend the whole semester on it. That's your grade. (laughs) (laughs) So, So... All this shit is going on. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that puts Nostradamus in the orbit of uh, Scaliger, and it part of the reason Nostradamus probably approached him is because Scaliger was a very well-respected doctor who taught at Montpellier mm-hmm. for a time. So, the other thing is, though, that Scaliger uh, was also kind of a social pariah to a point. Ooh. He was considered to be an atheist, which wasn't necessarily unusual for doctors at the time, but definitely unusual for the cultural he- uh, hegemony of France, uh, because it's a very Catholic country at oh, this time. Oh, yes. So so there's this fun little proverb of, of the time that I like, which translates roughly to, wherever you get three doctors, two will be atheists. I w- number one, I want that on a shirt. Number two, how are you considered to be an atheist like does it go into any detail on that we'll, we'll kind of get to that because again okay. you have smaller inquisitions so someone right, just has right, to make right, an accusation right. against you mm-hmm. um so long, long story short here king francois the first of france sent a grand inquisitor to investigate the region um and three figures were pointed out as being potential atheists scaliger Nostradam- and nostradamus among them so I'm, I'm just imagining the uh, the guy with the curly hair from uh, Scanners. The ah, <laughs> that, that's how someone fingers oh, that an was, atheist. That was a uh, uh, pod. That was a uh, body snatchers. Body snatchers. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I'm also picturing like that scene from Harry Potter where it's like Scaliger, Nostradamus, and one other one other guy. It's like, why is it always you three? <laughs> exactly. So so. Here's the thing. Nostradamus is crying. Oh, this is he observed that the crafting of a bronze statue of the Virgin Mary fell just a little short of idolatry. That's and fair. I want to note that Exodus 24 states, You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything in heaven above or earth beneath. Mm-hmm. But then again, when have Christians been consistent about their beliefs? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Come, what are you saying? Come on, come uh, on! They're they're super on point, always towing the line. Okay. Let me let me go. Hang on, I gotta go put on my blended fabrics and eat some shellfish. Right. Love thy so, brother, but not those brothers. Yeah. So, so, so you can oh. could never make a like sculpture of anything ever. Like no, even, like no, yeah. yeah. That's it. Like the, the the fucking Bible's pretty draconian. If you ever get yeah. a chance to sit down and read it, it's very eye opening. Actually, what you should do instead is just look up the Lego version where someone <laughs> uh, took Deuter- the uh, the laws of the Israelites and uh, illustrated them using Lego figures because it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I remember seeing that. <laughs> Especially the whole uh, if there's a homosexual, stone them to death, and it just shows Lego figures doing it, and it's just. Funny as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, also of note was that Nostradamus had access to a translation of the Hermetica Ooh. at Scaliger's estate. Thus, uh, his interest in the more esoteric made him, as the kids today call it, 
sus. Yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> so so that's basically why uh, he was targeted. You got a weird so, book. Right, yeah. You, you, you like things, you're a doctor, you know, that sort of thing. You, you criticized us, rightly so, for going <laughs> against our own beliefs. So, yeah. You um, and me would be fucked. Right. Uh, like, I, I know that if I traveled back into the past, I would be dead within a day. Yes. I, I would have been strangled as, like, a toddler. Yeah. yeah. But, Bob, I, I, I don't know that there's a like big man in robbed. the sky. I would have been, like, robbed and left for dead in a ditch. <laughs> I would have been burned. Yeah. So, you know, things start to get a little vague here. Um, a lot going on. I'm going to do my best to keep this clear. Okay. So, first of all, it seems you. that... Exactly. So, you know, first of all, it seems sometime in the mid-1530s, Nostradamus had a falling out with Scaliger. I couldn't really find an explanation for this, but more than likely it was the tension of the fucking Inquisition being involved. Um, like, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, further, with the, with the Inquisition still investigating, Nostradamus essentially just fucked off from the town of Agen, <laughs> and, you know, and he, he continued to wander just practicing his medicine. I've got a theory about what caused the split. Okay. Michel. Can I put the tip in? Oh. No, no. <laughs> that, oh, come on. That's just about a, the extent of my French. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just for a minute. If you don't like it, I take it out. That's basically what happened, I think. Yeah, and it's entirely possible. This I, isn't the yeah. first time that, like, Nostradamus has a falling out with someone over something that's probably pretty petty. Yes. Um. So, you know... He, he basically goes on the run. So it's during this time that the historical record states that Nostradamus married for the first time. Mm. But details are vague, and most likely a lot of the details are apocryphal. Um, it is suggested by Chavanier, his, his future secretary, that he, quote, took as a wife a most reputable young woman by whom he had two children, a boy and a girl. They died, and finding himself alone without companionship, he decided to return to province, his country of origin. Well, you weren't wrong. There's a lot of dead people in this so far. Right, because again, the Black Plague resurfaces. Yeah. So, n many Nostradamians, who, the, the people who study Nostradamus and put a lot of stock into it, we tend to refer to them as Nostradamians. They really? claim that he, he left his wife and children for a time to deal with the plague in a neighboring region, only to return home to find them dead of the same plague. Uh, I'm calling bullshit. Yeah, we have no idea if this actually happened. To me, it feels a little too mythical. Oh, oh, oh no, the irony. I go to help people, I come home, and it takes my family. No. It, it, it's his Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, origin story. Yeah, no, he goes off, and then he comes back in a big wooden suit from fighting the plague, and he's got like a arc reactor made out of crystals and bullshit like, like what what did he think he could do against the plague well we're gonna talk about that <laughs> he could do the exact same thing every other doctor could do back then basically poke him with a stick and run well he had a very specific cure he was peddling but the, the, the reason we're getting into this is because for some reason at this time he decides to treat uh he decides to look at treating the plague as his specialty after 1538 did so they, if his family did die of the plague that would explain it did they even have ivermectin back then 
They, they, no, they, they just had the literal worms from the horses. Okay. They well, had the equivalent. Yes. Okay, yeah, they fed them the worms. I got you. Oh, oh you know about how they used to put eels up the butts of horses, right? I, I wish you had not said those <laughs> words together in a sentence. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a total thing. You had to watch out when you bought a horse because it may just be a old horse that has an eel up the butt to make it more energetic. Uh, this is totally true, by the way. Totally true, by the way. So don't look a gift horse in the butt. <laughs> well, you probably should. You should, probably should. <laughs> okay, that's the next shirt right there. Okay. Don't oh, look yeah, a gift there, horse in the butt. There's a lot of history about people sticking eels inside themselves as well because they have reputed medicinal properties. But or that's a I, subject for another time. Yeah. Just kind of freaky. We're going to do. I think we should do a snake oil episode because of that. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. So. Well, and, and Nostradamus is kind of a little bit of a snake oil salesman as well. Oh, so, really? So, you know, yeah. I would consider a snake oil salesman someone that it's a doesn't believe thing, in their products. Right? Yeah. Like a snake oil salesman is a con man. Okay. okay. I mean, that's fair. They that's know fair. their shit is just not going to work. But I, I feel at this time, Nostradamus is probably believing he's doing the best with the tools he has. So you think instead of being like, hey, I got it over on that town, so people are like, I don't know if you tried sticking an eel up your butt? Yes. So, so I don't see any record of him actually advising people to stick eels up their butts. So <laughs> we, we at least know that's okay that he wasn't doing that. Okay. So but he was. He was. So, he did probably ask him to put eels in other places, not yeah. private places, but you know, like public places. Yeah. See, I don't know if France had a big culture of uh, eels. I not know that England probably did. Not. I was thinking leeches, snails, leeches. Yeah, probably so, snails. So, by, by the 1540s, Nostradamus is approaching his own 40s, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we get a sense of who he was as a physician, and to a degree, he was a little bit of a flim-flam man. Okay. Oh, well, well, damn, you just shot me in the Shot him in right. the balls. Well, okay, so, so again, there's a lot going on here. So, uh, and you, you hear me say that phrase repeatedly because it's the 16th fucking century and there is a lot going on. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> so, you, you did say, like, record keeping was not very good at the time. Yeah. So, And then plus, like, every day it seems like there's something new trying to end the world here. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fate did not like the 16th century. You, they, yeah. they really had a hate on for that. It really was uh, living like in Mar like living in Marvel century. comics back then. Right? I mean, just um, everything tried to fucking well, snuff us out. There was a plague. We had a flood, and then Kang the Conqueror showed up. So, yep. And I'm going to describe one of these scenarios for you right now. <laughs> oh, please do. So, a flood of the River Rhone in 1544 flooded graveyards, washing corpses into the city. Oh, Jesus wonderful. God. Worse, the stagnant water necessitated boat travel <clears throat> within the city for a time. Oh my God, it's like the shittiest version of Venice. Right? Naturally, this disruption of housing and sanitation, combined with a poor understanding of hygiene, resulted in the plague bouncing back yet well, again. Yeah. All the fucking plague corpses washing up, yeah. And there was dumb butt Jimmy going around licking the corpses. And, and they see this, you know, this flood water. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's flooding the fucking wells, so where the fuck are you going to get water from? <laughs> I could just see some guy in a boat going, hmm, you know what? These bodies in this water, technically... That's a soup. It's soup. Mm -hmm. Just grabs yep. a decanter, fills it, drinks it. Next thing you know, his bew balls are swollen. 
So, so because of his medical degree, Nostradamus was talked up by his brother, Jehan, um, which I, I'm, it's probably more like Jean, but it's literally spelled J-E-H-A-N. Hey, don't um, mess with the Jehan. <laughs> so, uh, Jehan uh, was a civic lawyer and eventually managed to get Nostradamus summoned to help deal with the plague in this city. Okay. Now, for Nostradamus, his go-to medical treatment for these trying times was a special rose pill, consisting of, among many things, sawdust, iris, cloves, and roses. Now, I want you to remember, folks, you can find all this at Infowars.com. And, uh, oh, God, he's Alex Jones. He really does. This is sounding like some Alex Jones bullshit or something you find on Coast to Coast AM. Right, and and here's why I think he was a little bit of a flimflam man. So he hyped the shit out of his treatment, saying, "quote No other medicament is found which is more protective against the plague than this recipe. All those who swallowed it were protected." So he just <laughs> made up the word medicament and um, expected people to buy it. I mean, it, it could have been in use at the time. Who's I think sure? it wasn't actually. I think it was a, an actually in, uh, in use word at the time. I don't know who I'm more pissed at, Hammer the Times. Right. Yes. So uh, he, the fact that he's claiming that yes, anyone who swallowed it was protected. Like, there's no way that's the case. <laughs> yeah. And he had to have known that. I'm. I'm maybe. <sighs> I, mean, I don't. I don't know, man. Uh, unless every single person that he treated died to an arrow, like uh, died from an arrow <laughs> to the head. Like, no, there's, there's no way he can't. <laughs> unless he's literally in a town for like a day and then fucks off. Well, you know yeah, I mean? there's just no way. They like I, take the pills. Five hours later, they still don't have the plague. He's like, good enough for me. And my and other thing is there. like, how often do he come back to check? follow-ups yeah yeah who did, did he do follow-up visits i mean like you know or did, if someone died was he like that's completely unrelated that's a well, pre-existing no, no. condition no, see, see they died from uh the, the 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 shits the dancing disease the they died from the gray plague <laughs> <laughs> the not evil but pretty bad black plague <laughs> instead of bubos you've got bubies <laughs> <laughs> it's mule bows. They're, they're called BBs because they're smaller. Yes, it's, it's a BBs. I don't know what so, accent I'm doing at this point. Let's move on. But yeah, like I'm doing terrible. Act. So, yeah. so here's the thing: we all know this cure is bullshit, <laughs> widely yes. inaccurate. But I can't necessarily fault him for this either. I can. You know, at, at the time, for all they knew, like it. For all they knew, they they thought it worked. You know, chances are that yeah, he probably was convinced it was actually working, and that any deaths that he treated uh, of the persons that he treated were just coincidental. I'm a, I'm gonna give you the one thing that he could say that would get people to buy it. Hey, I took it. I'm not dead. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's pretty much it, right there. I mean, it now can also be that the the people that he convinced to take it were a little more cautious than the rest and so they might have lived longer because they took other precautions as well yo he could have accidentally given it to people that were uh uh, naturally resistant well no but you can you could say that people that are willing to take that precaution are also taking other precautions in their life sure they are also probably more wealthy than other people which means they have access to 
things that will keep them alive longer, such or, as food, or or sure. to you know distance them distance themselves from the you know plaguey mm-hmm. poo yeah. water running out yeah. to their country estates. Yeah, yeah. So you know, of course, not everyone bought into it either. The point is, is that he just sort of is this man. Uh, he's a man of his time, perhaps just in the most trying period of time in European history. I just picture um, fucking Boba Fett. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. <laughs> With little Chavignet as like the baby Yoda. <laughs> yes. Um, oh no, that would be his. Uh, that would be his later son, Cesar. Okay. So, um, um, so it's around this time, uh, specifically November 11th, 1547, where Nostradamus marries again. Okay. This time we actually have a name. Her name was Anne Posnard, and she uh, brought a substantial dowry. So, you know, there we go. Money, man. Money, money, money. So that moolah. I can buy so so much rose petals and sawdust with this bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Nostradamus would have been around 44 about the, uh, around this time. Mm -hmm. And Anne was likely under 30 years old. Um, Um, so we're talking like some, uh, Leo DiCaprio stuff. That's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's at the time. This was fine. Yeah. I was going to say for the time, this is like exceedingly, in fact, he's probably considered to be marrying like an old maid. Oh yeah. Sure. You know, for, for his station in this time, he probably would have been, you know, they would expect him to marry like a 16 year old. Oh, and he was probably desperate at that point. So, well, not, I wouldn't say desperate, but you know, desperate for money. Yeah. You know, but I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. The the parents had put together a big dowry because it's true. Yeah. She's like old. Ooh, good point. You know, I don't know how much older she would have been though, because specifically like, uh, she, she, she pushes out like six kids over 14 years. Holy crap. Yeah. But, you know, so I, she you know, I, I just, I, I know that she. Well, I, I can't say that I know definitively, but like, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's under thirty. I would probably put her at about twenty five years old. Yeah, like I said, that's okay. still that's still old as fuck for yeah. you know that you, time. Because like, if they go with under thirty, well, then it can't fuck. be that far away from thirty. Yeah, I would, like, I would have think yeah. like twenty seven or something. Sure, let's go twenty five, twenty seven, somewhere in there. So, right. so at this point in his life, a pattern emerges with Nostradamus acting as a wandering physician, seeking rich clients, and spending a lot of time talking to and trading information with pharmacists or what were called spicers. The hell's a spicer? Is that like a hedge doctor? Yeah, like likely a hedge doctor or someone who's probably, I, I would probably say they were probably like a botanist. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, someone that studies plants in the medicinal sense. Sure. Yeah, because you know sometimes like these these terms become conflated. So because spices are derived from plants, someone who studies plants would be a spicer. Sure. So this is where he would also begin exploring writing. Finally. Ooh, finally. Yeah. So he not until his mid forties, right? So his fir- the first piece that's claimed to have been written by Nostradamus was a translation entitled... Okay, here we go. Horus Apollo, son of Osiris, king of the Niles, Egypt, and notes from two hieroglyphic books set out in the form of rhythmic epigrams. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Hey, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. how, about, how about we just shorten it to motherfucker? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Mike gets a joke. Yeah, that's a, that's a reference to Dream On. 
So that's one for the over forty set. But but yeah, I which mean, I am well, not. I mean, he he. I'm he, the baby. He was a scribe, so you know he wrote for other people. Now he decides I'm going to write for me. Yeah. Yep. He's paid by the so, word there. So so here's the thing. I uh, something about this should be striking us as odd. I yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does this seem odd to you, gentlemen? Mike? Because um, I know. I've had some rum, so it doesn't seem odd to me. Okay. <laughs> Mike, I want you to think about how long we couldn't read hieroglyphics. Oh. So so he, he translated some shit that he just no way should have <laughs> yeah. been able to translate. Yeah. No, this is this is like when... Uh, uh, it, you know what? Again, parallel with Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith claimed he uh, had translated the uh, Book of Mormon from, quote, corrupted Egyptian hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. And uh, when was Rosetta Stone discovered again? 1799. Jesus. During the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it is all bullshit. So, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, this is... Like the, this, this publication ultimately is kind of inconsequential, except for one thing. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that he used the name Nostradamus, like a one-word name. So like, it's kind of yeah. his pen name, like yeah, because he, he Nostradamus being Latin, this was his first time using that as his pen name, basically. Uh, like Oprah, <laughs> exactly. Or uh, I don't know, I got nothing. Prince, <laughs> Prince, that or, or just that symbol. Just yeah. that symbol that Prince was known as for a while. You and me, buddy, were on that wavelength. <laughs> so, uh, what this ultimately does is it introduces uh, writing as a tool that he could use, and he would find success with it, not just in his prophecies, uh, and at least not initially, but rather in a series of almanacs. Ooh. Almanacs so, were a big deal, man. Yeah, uh, almanacs were super important at this time, and we're going to talk about that. So... The almanacs, the prognostications of Nostradamus were a disposable yearly publication that consisted of uh, astronomical movement notes and astrological theory as it pertained to the year uh, that it's supposed to be published in. You know, that makes sense because like the best review most uh, almanacs get is information was useful, pages were soft and absorbent. (laughs) Um, you know, the thing about these um, almanacs was also kind of like how modern of a publication they were. Right. So they would feature a calendar, much like commonly available calendars that you could find in like like things you could buy today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also included a listing of holidays and feasts. Right. Um, and then, of course, in those almanacs, there were the prognostications themselves, which were Nostradamus's prediction of the year's events. Essentially like the horoscope you would find in the Weekly World News. <laughs> Speaking the language. Right. So now for any leftover pages in the folio, do we know what a folio is? Uh, it's... <laughs> not, it's okay if not, you don't. Not right now. <laughs> Essentially because they couldn't print on individual pages and bind. Right. What they would do is they would print on very large papers and then fold them in such a way and then cut them to turn them into books. I feel dumb because I made one of those in a graphic design school. So it's it's like a <laughs> bunch of unbound pages, but folded over to be kind of a book. Yes. Is that what yeah. I'm so thinking right. So 
Yeah, exactly. So for any leftover pages in the folio, the publisher would also throw in some other stuff, such as distance figures for towns, gardening tips, and all that other stuff. So again, it's just kind of like this like some somewhat an, modern publication. Some Ann Landers uh, letters. Yeah, no, that questions. that's exactly it. It's just yeah. those weird little little things like a like gardening tips, like, you know. So plant beans at this time of year. If your wife dies, find another one. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> do not marry your cow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or do. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. Whatever makes you happy. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this, publication, <laughs> this publication would end up being a big hit and help to spread his name among the literate population. I mean, these I'd weren't s- the prophecies, though. It, yeah. It sounds like I would read that shit. Yeah. If I was yeah, a like they, they still publish that, that today. Read. I know. Um, and the, the the farmer's almanac, I think it's called, and they yeah. publish it yeah. every year. Absolutely, I I used to buy it all the time, and they still have a little hole up in the top corner where you can hang it in the outhouse for when you run out of toilet paper. I'm not joking. <laughs> that is a thing. No. Yeah, that's yeah. The farmer's almanac is quite fascinating. Just how you know, I don't know. It's. A piece of crap, actually. But well, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> so, so while these were not the prophecies proper, they were predictions about the year and would examine astrological signs to see times of joy and strife throughout the year. Gotcha. Now, this is important because of the tense climate in Europe at the time would lend credence to his predictions and help establish a reputation that would lead directly to the prophecies. Now... Quick question. This is basically him looking... I'm guessing this is Nostradamus looking at the political climate and guessing. Yeah. Instead of, like, being a seer, he's just reading the room. Right. And I I have a great example of this. Sure. So, around this time, this is where Mary Tudor would ascend the throne of England after the death of Henry VII's son, Edward VI. That's a lot of names and numbers. Right. Oh, it, it gets worse. Also, Suleiman the Magnificent was having his armies conduct raids on Europe. Plus, we have the continuing rise in conflict between Protestants and Catholics. So there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of tension. Obviously, it doesn't take a Nostradamus to recognize that bad times are on the horizon. (laughs) So what you're saying is his predictions were essentially, hey, man, you thought last year was bad. Shit's about to be fucked. Just read the fucking room. Yeah. Okay. I guess. So... With the success of his almanacs, in addition to what would become the prophecies, which we'll discuss next week, it was only a matter of time before Nostradamus picked up royal attention. That's where your money is. Right. Now, um, we're going to fast forward a little bit here through this next section because I don't want to hit a whole bunch of stuff. I just want to hit like the most important developments in sure. his uh, life. So, in about 1555 or 56, sources vary, Nostradamus was summoned to the court of King Henry II of France. Part of this may have been deliberately shrewd calculation by Nostradamus, who had written a series of vague, if not worrisome, predictions about trouble ahead for Henry II's court. Hmm... And this, I I think it would have been a little bit of social engineering on the part of Nostradamus. I can't prove this, but uh, as as people in the royal court, both Henry and his wife Catherine de Medici were interested in these things. Were interested in the 
prophecies and that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. So, I could see that. Know, it's like he writes something to say, "Oh, I foresee something terrible." Well, then the king's going to be like, "Well, I want to know." Get that motherfucker in here right now. Yeah. Exactly. So, specifically from the Almanac of 1555, we get this. Quote, The king should watch out for himself that one or more individuals do not pursue carrying out that which I dare not put into writing, a matter on which the stars are showing accordance with occult philosophy. What the fuck? Right. Um, so, again, you notice this is Somebody's, very vague, right? Yeah. It's basically, hey, the king should watch out because, like, somebody might do something. That I dare not speak of. Uh-huh. Yeah, what kind of Lovecraftian bullshit is this? And, and that's that's indicative of, like, how Nostradamus worked, which is why his prophecies have been so successful and are linked to so many different things. Sure. Because of... But we're, we're going to get into this next week, specifically. Yeah. But, um, again... There is a lot going on here. I think we're going to have to turn that into a fucking t-shirt for me. <laughs> um, so, Shit's so, <laughs> about to get complicated. I, I think I'm going to make that as a t-shirt. Because, I think so, uh, yeah. Um, so so to, to start, occultism was a contentious topic in the mostly Catholic country. But Henry also had complicated memories of his grandmother's magician, Cornelius Agrippa. It's a hell of a name. Right. Um, so, so Henry was naturally curious about what Nostradamus has, had meant, and even though he was more practical-minded than his wife Catherine, um, he was still curious. Catherine, on the other hand, was very serious when it came to occultism, owing to her roots as a member of the Medici family in Florence. Man, the Medici's—that is, a, that is a hell of a world-changing family, right there. So inevitably, Nostradamus is summoned by an, intermedi uh, an, inter uh, an intermediary, as was the French royal custom. You can't have the king make a direct request; you have to do an intermediary. Mm. Steve, so the go ask this mm -hmm. guy. Yeah. So the intermediary was a regional governor, Claude de Savoie, Count of Tende, uh, which I think I'm pronouncing that right. So essentially, he was like a mutual contact between the royal family and Nostradamus, because uh -huh. Nostradamus had done some work for uh, the Count here. And he was, of course, the Count of Tindy was known for his chicken Tindys. <laughs> so, um, in July of that year, uh, which is, it's either 55 or 56, mm -hmm. Nostradamus began his long journey to Paris, filled with anxiety and concern that he may be beheaded. I could see that. Right. He was unsure of exactly what his reception would be, uh, around mid-August, he finally arrives in Paris, which at that time had a population of a whopping 200,000 people. All right, that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about it at the time, with the plague... Yeah, the plague years? Yeah. <laughs> shit, that is, that is a huge population of people. Now, here's the thing. When he was arriving, he seemed to have had a vision that he was going to befall a tragic fate on August 25th. So, when he when he arrived, he delayed his visit to the king and queen uh, due to a 12-day case of gout. This may have been a stalling tactic, uh, a stalling tactic, but also like he did suffer from gout. Okay. But so it's just him kind of like giving himself a better shot not to die on the 25th of August. Sure. So, 
I'm not going to get into the complicated nature of the visit or the tension of debt sustained with a family he stayed with in Paris, but the visit didn't really go well. Oh, Nostradam- really? Yeah, he spent a lot of money to get to Paris and had to borrow money when he arrived. But the the royal family didn't give him much in return. Further, there may have been some courtly intrigue involving uh, advisors scheming to undermine Nostradamus, as well as him possibly meeting with the king's mistress. Okay, this is like, you remember when you, you've said complicated several times before? Mm-hmm. This is the most complicated part. Oh no, it gets more complicated oh, later on. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so so supposedly the king's mistress had warned Nostradamus that the law was seeking him out to question him on his sciences that he uses, which Ooh, probably boy. reminded him of the Inquisition, right? Sure. So Nostradamus ultimately cut his visit to Paris short, went on the run back to Florence, and didn't pay off his debt to his host family until much later, which was very scandalous at the time. Yeah, that, man, that's, uh, I don't know, that's like the most complicated form of dine and dash I've ever heard. Right. Um, so ultimately this Paris trip was like unimpressive, but it mm-hmm. was his first brush with royalty, which would be eclipsed by his later encounter with that same royal family. Mm. What is key here, though, is that this trip, while material uh, materially profitless, would be a public relations boost for Nostradamus. Ah, uh, really? Over the next several years, he would dedicate several publications to the royal family, as now he was considered to be within their sphere of influence. I'm sorry, it's just like... I don't. What's the what's the uh, reputation? It's like, hey, you hear about Nostradamus? Fucker gypped me hard. Well, and, and here's the thing: there are critics at the time, but the most important thing is, well, the fucking king summoned him. Yeah, okay, that's fair. You know, and then uh, so everybody's hearing like, oh, well, the king has consulted this Nostradamus. I'm gonna write to him and see what he has to say. So, so. Um, what's going to follow this is a flurry of correspondences and questions from the elite all over Europe who would ask Nostradamus for guidance and predictions. Mm-hmm. Some of the shit is hilarious. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I have a fun example from Wilson's book from a Giovanni Cibo Boreas um, who asked five incredibly specific questions in one letter. And I'm just going to read this letter. Okay. First, is my sister still alive at St. Bridget's Convent in England? No. Second, how many years do I have to live? Negative two. Third, would it be better for me to sell or to retain my property at Sterlano? Sell, sell, sell. Fourth, is there any buried treasure in this property, which is amongst the ruins of an old palace? A honeypot. Fifth and last, might I be able to find any veins of spring water here at Sterlano? Just blood. So uh, just the, the, spe- the, the specific questions here, <laughs> and just the range of them. Is my sister alive? Yeah. Is there buried treasure? How long am I going to live? It's like a child. Well, yeah, why is the sky blue? <laughs> yeah. So that, I, I just thought that was a great kind of letter. Oh, yeah, like, no. This is the kind of stuff you would get. That is, that is some uh, very, very specific questions that you typically don't ask a seer. Right, but this was also kind of like the bread and butter of Sears, actually, that they okay. would answer these things. Um, and sometimes they got lucky, sometimes they didn't, but there were always 
written, at least with Nostradamus for sure, they were always written in a way that like could be interpreted a dozen different ways. Yeah, how many words does it take to say yeah? Mm-hmm. So, so with his success, however, came critics, obviously, uh, even old friends, uh, Julius Caesar Scalinger, uh, mm-hmm. or Scaliger. Uh, Nostradamus named his own son Caesar after him. Would lobby attacks on Nostradamus. I'm renaming my again that accent. I'm renaming my son Frank. For France, there we go. <laughs> Frank for France. <laughs> so, ultimately, though, these criticisms merely made Nostradamus even more popular. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah, he got he got a fucking president elected. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't see Nostradamus predicting that. Actually, yeah, yeah we well, could probably we'll, we could probably find some uh, prophecy. Yeah, um, we'll find it. A tangerine ascends to the throne. God damn it! <laughs> so, um, you know, Nostradamus would start accumulating a lot of wealth at this time as well. He had a lot of rich patrons, people sending in money for predictions, that sort of thing. So, in 1559, now with seven children, whoa. Nostradamus would also serve as a patron of a canal project, which made him wealthier and contributed to the public good of the town of Salon, which Salon would become important later for the Salons of the Enlightenment. Is that where he got his hair did? (laughs) Possibly, possibly. At this point, he was probably bald. Oh. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm theorizing because like you know people people aged like milk back then. That's really true. Somebody posted a picture recently. Uh, Ewan McGregor's uh, actually older than uh, Alec Guinness was when he played Obi Wan Kenobi, and he still looks like twenty years younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, again, a lot going on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, in 1588, Queen Elizabeth I has succeeded Mary Tudor on the English throne and had inherited a mess of a country. Oh, yeah. So while signs were obvious it was a challenging period, the prognostications of the great Nostradamus carried a great deal of weight. So we see this pattern over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there, there's obviously, there's, uh, there's this... We'll talk about it when we talk about how he writes these things, but it's just it, for some reason he's able to like tap into the the cultural zeitgeist and just deftly maneuver his words around it. Right. He's he's like a. Be- I'm gonna say it. He's a better version of John Edwards. You know. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. So. A whole lot of shit going on, a lot of courtly intrigue, mm-hmm. intermarrying between royal families and the like. So we're going to skip ahead, and we're going to talk about King Henry II of France again, and the event that would uh, like forever define Nostradamus as a cultural figure and afford him a lot of his credibility as a prognosticator. If I'm not mistaken, I think I know which one this is. My, okay. Do you, do you know much about his quatrains? Oh, I, I do because I've been studying this I shit. Think, but I think Mike has zoned out. <laughs> I didn't oh, know no. you were asking me. Yeah, I, I was asking, asking if you knew anything about uh, Nostradamus's quatrains. I, I didn't know you were addressing me. Sorry. Um, I know I've heard of the phrase before. Okay. Just, just okay. Curious. So, well, I'm gonna read a couple of quatrains here. Okay. So. Quatrain 55 of Century 3 of Prophecies reads, 
In the year when France shall have a one-eyed king, the court shall find itself in a very troubled state. Similarly, Quatrain 35 of Century 1 reads, The young lion shall overcome the old, on martial field in single combat. In a golden cage his eyes will be put out, two into one, then to die a cruel death. Does this sound familiar? Does anyone know where this is going? I know where this is going, but it's also, like, super vague. Right, again, like, he uses a lot of, like, iconography. He uses a lot of images. A golden cage. Well, that could be interpreted in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, the young lion could, again, be, you know, it just, it means a young guy, right? Right. It could apply to any situation. Any young male ruler right so an, uh, among nostradamians and these quatrains oh yes i'm sorry we we gotta find a new name for these guys before the next episode because no no it's it's stupid let's keep it uh, the nostradamned <laughs> the nostradam there you go um so um among nostradamians these quatrains are seen as a prediction of the death of henry ii of france who died as a result of a joust with a young count, Gabriel de Lorge, uh, or Lorge, maybe, um, whose lance shattered in the helmeted face of Henry II. Splinters drove into his eye and into his brain, and after nine days, Henry II finally died. Damn. Now, right, now, like... Like when you when you look at that when you when you look at these two quatrains and you look at those events like it, it is pretty spooky right it's it's very like but then but then again we're applying it after the fact as well well that's the only and, way prophecies work right you know and it's just it, it's too convenient but it's still it's very compelling which is why so many people kind of buy into it sure and. And this is, like, the big one, I think. Of all the prophecies that he's ever done, this one is, like, the, the, the big one. This one kind of puts him on the map. This one is the one that, like, even a skeptic might be like, well, I mean, that is a really interesting thing that happened. Sure. I mean, right? Like, let's ask our resident skeptic here. Mike, what do you think about this situation? What What do you think? How How... How do you see that? Do you think that is accurate? How big a coincidence is it? Do you think he had some kind of... You, you throw enough shit at the wall, eventually some <laughs> of it's going to stick. Okay. I mean... Plus it's diarrhea. Well, mm, you know, but I'm just saying I that... I just saw Jackass Part 3. If, I could argue if I that. Sat here, if I sat here with, you know, just knowing what I know about the world and started making predictions, eventually I would get something right. Mm-hmm doesn't mean i had any foresight or foreknowledge just means i got lucky mm -hmm. sure you know it's still very interesting though like how this all works out um yeah. it just it, it it's one of those like this is the reason why we're still talking about him today basically yeah. yeah like if he hadn't gotten this one right well you know that that just you know increased his cachet that 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 started getting him and you know noticed mm -hmm. so you know there are like, many other prophecies that would shock the european populace and like bear coincidence to actual events but generally speaking the events surrounding the death of henry ii are considered to be like the 
evidence that Nostradamus could see into the future. That that's just typically how it's read among the Nostradamians and like even people who like have a casual interest with Nostradamus, that's the that's always yeah. the big one that's cited. That's the one they always talk about on like the History Channel or in search of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, so yeah. So like his career continues, but we're gonna kind of move into his death. Okay. So around fifteen sixty five his second, uh, 62nd year of life, Nostradamus knew that his time would be ending. I was legit about to ask if he saw this one coming. Right. It, you know, not really a prediction. His gout okay. was a real issue. It had gotten worse, and in the 16th century, making it to your 60s meant you were super fucking lucky. That's fair. Not one to be idle, he would spend his last year writing his almanacs for 15... Uh, 66 and 1567 and put his affairs in order. Now, he would leave the running of the estate and most affairs uh, to his wife, but it seems that his son Caesar, uh, or Caesar, uh, I think it's Caesar, uh, would ultimately take up the Nostradamian mantle by publishing archived writings and doing the writing on his father. So he's kind of like a Christopher Tolkien. God damn it, I was just going to go there. I, yep. I It makes me want to hit him, to be honest. <laughs> but there we so, go. But uh, So here's the thing. Nostradamus's final act of writing would be signing the codicil that, fi- uh, that finalized his directives. He would be found dead the next morning on July 2nd, 1566. Uh, writing your... Codicile finalized directives as a death of kings. No, it's the death of Nostradamus for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to kind of wrap up Nostradamus' story here. Next week, we're going to be getting into the prophecies, how he developed these visions in the future, and ultimately this industry that arose in, uh, in its wake. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it feels a little bit like dumb luck that we're still talking about him five centuries later. Yeah, I mean, if you hadn't gotten that one thing right, you know, who mm-hmm. knows? Yeah. There, like, I, he would have been like a minor footnote in history because of the other predictions, but this this situation with Henry II and his death is like the one that like right. locks him in. So I, I can't say much on the legacy of Nostradamus because I'm still trying to grapple with it myself. Sure. Um, as we'll see with the prophecies he's going to end up doing a lot of harm. Yeah. But, but yeah. as a person, I feel like I like Nostradamus. He, he did some good things. He lucked out a little bit, only grifted just a little bit. And I think that's <laughs> something that we should all aspire to. <laughs> just a little bit of grifting. Yeah. Like everybody's pulled some sort of fast one on someone, right? I guess. Don't incriminate yourselves. I don't know that I have. I'm kind of a wuss. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just uh, maybe I have some latent criminality I should be worried about. Maybe this is why my comics never took off. <laughs> this is my awakening there to my super villainy. Um, <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> I mean, um, most most of the ones I can think of were just resolved revolved around like cake. Like I've, I've pulled <laughs> some shady shit just to get some cake. That's true. Hey, see, there you go. That, that's that's like the proper yeah. amount of grifting. Okay, that's fair. All right. Yeah, stealing that extra cookie. There you go. Yeah, yeah no, fe- February Funny. 25th is my birthday. Give me a cake. I mean, literal cake. Like, it'd be like, you know, 
Not eating I'm ass. I'm going to cut this big piece of cake and hide it over here for, you know, to take home later. Okay. Ah, the fat man scheme. <laughs> well, this, this, this body says yes. Okay, that's fair. So, yeah, I, I think, like, Nostradamus' greatest positive contribution to the world was his patronage and healing. But even then, it wasn't, like, that impressive for the time. Nor did it really make a huge difference in the grand scheme of things. But I think his heart was in the right place. But ultimately, I think his legacy is definitely more negative. Yeah, it, well, it's negative in the same way that Madame Blavatsky's... Blavatsky. Uh, Blavatsky. I mean, her. Yeah. No, you know, because it's like, okay, I wrote this shit. And then Hitler's like, I can use this. Yeah, I mean, it's not his fault it's negative. It's yeah. just the, the way people took his work. Right. I mean, and like, okay, uh, in like prior to the first century AD, it's all these people coming up. I'm, I, maybe I'm the leader of the Jews. And then one guy spits in a blind dude's eye. <laughs> and 2,000 years later, we're putting trees in our house. <laughs> Damn it. No, I was going to say, say like, like Christianity, you know, I held no ill will towards the Bible, just towards the people that use it and twist it yeah. for their own means. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think that ultimately with Nostradamus, like he's become exploited by. Yeah. Yeah. People are yeah. taking his stuff and using it for their own self-promotion and. You know, the grifter is being grifted. Their own schemes. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know, and then there's a tremendous sense of irony in all this as well, which I'll, I'll definitely get into next week, specifically how, um, like, Christianity has latched on to Nostradamus. Oh, we are such, it is such a death cult when you get down to it. It's, a, we're, it's, everybody talks about, like, the Seventh day Adventists and stuff. And I'm like, come on, man. You read Revelation. So 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 that's where we're at with Nostradamus yeah. for now. Well, that is a fantastic episode. You just you just I'm trying not to say put us through, but like that was <laughs> really us to. That was really there's a lot of shit happening. Yeah, and like I, I'm definitely gonna do that T shirt like so there's a lot going on. <laughs> we need to definitely do that shirt. We'll have that up in the store eventually. But uh, that is great, and I can't wait for next week when we get into all the stuff that he wrote before he died of gout. <laughs> In the Which way was the rich man's disease. Yes, yes. It was, the, it was the death of kings. <laughs> gout is the death of kings, and then codifying your stuff. Well, not, not the death. Wasn't it the illness of like royalty or something? The, well, yeah, they yeah, afford yeah. to have too much salt. Well, too much uh, not a really lot of it salt, came from like, like too much meat. Yeah, it's good. Uh -oh. meat and you know other very rich foods. Yeah, so lay off the dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lay off the dick. The spotted like, dick. You know what? That's that's actually a good thing to sign off uh, on in general. Is just lay off the dick, y'all. Oh come on, <laughs> give it a if rest. If people want the dick, they can have the dick. All right, uh, fine. Just in moderation, please. Fine, have the just, dick if you want the dick, but have it in moderation, like David said. And if David it's got said. spots on it, you know, we're not going to judge. If it's spotted dick, meant to eat, great. If it's a dick that is spotted, see a doctor. Well, I mean, it could just be like. 
moles or something. It could it could be like you know non benign. It could be benign spots. What if they're trill uh, from Star what Trek? If like the the, sp- the rows of spots that go all the way down. Yeah, like Star Trek wise. Do you think the trill had like spots running down the side of their their wang? Probably not. not? I think it. I think it went down their asses. Ooh. This is weird. This is a weird discussion. Yes, so, <laughs> well, after tangent. this long discussion on Nostradamus, we have we, to let off some steam. Yeah, we're, you know, we're, it's a pressure release. Kind yeah, of thing. that's true. And I, honestly, at least it wasn't the fucking moon. Yeah. Well, and this is the most alert Mike, Mike has been. Who knew it Like, took talking about dick to get him going? <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. I mean, I'm just saying. And we'll see if one of you is eaten by a bear. Who, or a grew. <laughs> so uh thank you everyone for listening we appreciate all of you don't forget to spread the word tell someone that you think would be interested about the podcast uh you can find all our information now at supernatpod.rocks or supernaturalselectionpod.com you can find us on social media at supernat no at supernatpod on Twitter and Facebook. And of course, you know, we have our Discord, we have a Patreon. There's a lot of neat stuff coming to the Patreon real soon. Uh, we're going to start recording some special episodes where we just discuss random crap like what we were talking about, like the, uh, what was it, snake oil? Yes. Reading. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. And the, the importance of like, oh, the books. Reading yes. early on. Reading yeah. and books and, your local library. In we also have house. some interviews coming up, which is going to be fun. Yes, we have got uh, several folks that we know in general that we're going to talk to, have on as guests or guest hosts. And we may have something very interesting coming up sometime in April, but we're not going to talk about that just yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, be sure to keep an eye out for those sorts of announcements. I'll be talking about those on Twitter when that gets more solid. Um, what else have we got, David? Where What, what you got to plug? Uh, you can follow me on the socials as HP Comics, so that's at HPKOMIC. Also, listen to my show, The Mutant Hours. I took a couple of weeks off because, you know, look at the state of the world. Yeah, um, But I, I'm back. The show is... Uh, doing well um yeah it's fun yeah mike what have you got to plug nothing really i'm just you know vibing and chilling what's your twitter mike uh it's that thing where i don't do anything (laughs) and just follow a bunch of like porn artists really (laughs) okay that's fair but if you do want to get in touch with mike he is on twitter uh i would say more of you know i got that email-y thing yeah yeah hit him up uh, at skeptic Mike at skeptical Mike skeptical Mike yes. at supernaturalselectionpod.com well, you could just go to the website <clears throat> it's easier yeah there's a form you can send and I can forward questions to him also uh, let me see if we have any questions this week That's in a good question. the good idea actually we don't have questions from this week but there are some questions that I didn't get to ask on key party oh and uh let's see uh one of them is from you we'll ask that one in a second uh, you as in who you david 
Oh, okay. You asked one, and I'll uh, I'll ask that to Mike too. But uh, Ghost Forge, of course, asks if you, Kevin, had a Whitley Strieber moment and get milked by aliens, would you be into it? And would it ruin all future sex for you? I, you know what? You're in the situation, and I kind of feel like, um, why not just get into it? Why not? And I don't think it would ruin future sex, because it's like, I mean, unless you know how to live right, it's not going to happen again. I mean, it, it, so I'm not too familiar with the Whitley Strieber uh, incident. But the like, milking, there's prostate yeah. milking well, yeah, and I'm, like a tube just and like a bucket how, tube. Like, it, it, if I'm tied down, they're just like shoving shit in there. No, I'm not going to be cool with it. But if well, like, like there's some candles and they're like sweet talking yeah. me, you know, okay, sure, maybe. Well, like, you know, and then like he's screaming and I talked about this on uh, the last episode. Streber's screaming and the aliens are like, what can we do to stop you from screaming? And he's like, give me off the poles and they take him down. And then and a, a, a gray chick comes up and gives him a handy. Well, you know, if if they had started off with like the gray chick and she's like, you know, being all coy about it, sure, why not? But but just like rigging me up and then probing me, I mean, no, that's that's no. I think I've seen this video on horrorporn.com. It's like <laughs> Oh, non-consensual, boy. dude. You gotta, yes. you, gotta, you gotta butter me up to get with that con- sweet, sweet consent. Sure. Okay, that's fair. So, uh, David asks one that we didn't get to answer last time because uh, everybody at the table was drunk. <laughs> so, Mike, here's a question for you and me. As yeah. someone who has not had sex, would anal probing be a good first-time experience? Probably not. Uh, depends if you're into it. I mean... I mean, like, isn't it... Is, uh, I mean, you know, see if you like it. If you don't, you know, just I mean, uh, I, don't I, do it again. I mean, like... Uh, it's the same comes back to the same thing it's like de- depends on the context of said probulation you remember it's, it's, asking that <laughs> it's like you know, are are they strapping him down and just like going to town with no consideration for his for the individuals they, like they buy you dinner first state? i don't, I don't know man like it's kinda, your it's your dark fantasy are they are they like kind of like warming you up you know what would it take massaging you for with some you oil to to accept the anal probe what would it take what would they have to do to sweeten the pot for ask you? me <laughs> that's it all you gotta do is say hey can we do this and i'll probably be like if it helps yeah okay sure i mean like you know for science Maybe for fun. Maybe some cuddling first. Yeah. You know, give me a hug. Just oh. let me know it's important to you. It's not just... Some... rub my shoulders a little bit. I need human contact. Yeah. Or at least inhuman contact. Yeah. Some some sentient species contact. Our skin is cold. <laughs> Do you have like a, a, a curling iron or something you can hold for a second? Just something. Get under like a weighted heating blanket and then come out and hug me <laughs> i know you're like little biological robots but you know well anyway that's it for our questions this week 
and uh, I guess we're going to go ahead and close it for now. So, again, thank every, thank you, everyone, for listening. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. The response to the show has been fantastic. We'll be back next week with Nostradamus Part 2. And uh, so until next week, everyone stay safe and stay frosty. Goodbye. What, you Rawr, I'm a bear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was actually waiting for somebody to say something. Exit pursued by a bear. Yes. A little Shakespeare. <laughs>